Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. So funny, so cute. That's me every time uh, Pastor Jace takes me for a drive. <laughs> as soon as I get in the car, I'm like, my mouth's open, my, my head's on the window. But we're actually going to read this morning a short little snippet of a very obscure story. And that video that we just watched, will you'll, you'll understand the relevance of that once we read this story. It's a very obscure story, but yet here we find it in the Bible. So therefore, there must be something for us to learn from this story. It's found in Acts chapter 20, verses 7 to 12. So I'm going to read from my very small print Bible. So on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, who was ready to depart the next day, he spoke to them. So he started preaching and he continued his message until midnight. That's a long time. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus. Now I know that's how you sound it, how you say it, because I googled it. Now, Eutychus was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued preaching, he fell down from the third story window and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him and said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now, when he had come in, had broken bread, eaten, and he talked a long while, even till daybreak, Paul kept preaching. (laughs) till daybreak and then he departed and they brought the young man in alive and they were not a little comforted don't you love the scriptures they cracked me up and they were not a little comforted so the message title for today is don't fall out the window see the disciples and the early church they were gathering together they were having church just like we are today and to be fair to poor Eutychus Paul kept preaching till midnight. Now, that's a very, very long time. Well, actually, he he kept preaching till daybreak, till 5 a.m. in the morning. But it was at midnight that Eutychus finally couldn't take it any longer, fell asleep and dropped out the window. Some people think that us going to church till 12 p.m. midday is a long time. But daybreak, well, that's another level. Paul pulled an all-nighter. So the first practical lesson we can draw from this story is pretty practical. If you're feeling tired, probably not a good idea. Probably not the wisest decision to stay sitting in a window three stories high, for that matter, if you're getting a bit tired. But Eutychus was tired, so he fell asleep and he died. Now, I'm certainly not trying, and I don't think the author here is trying to throw Eutychus under the bus Because he was in the right place. He was in church. Now, are you hearing what I'm saying to you, church? He was in the right place. And he fell asleep. He was in the right place. He was in church, but he fell asleep. Are you hearing me? He was in church, but he fell asleep. He was weary because he was committed to the cause. I'm sure many of us can relate to that. Rest if you need to, church, but don't fall asleep. Don't quit. 
You know, church, I'm feeling really stirred this morning by the Holy Spirit. I'm pretending I'm preaching to the masses. I feel the Holy Spirit stirring us to remind us to stay awake, to wake up out of sleep. Too many people, people I know, good people, are falling out the proverbial window, so to speak. But God is looking for his remnant that will remain. Let's look at what John wrote to the church in the book of Revelation. He's speaking to the church of Sardis. Apparently, the church of Sardis was a church in Turkey known for its wool, gold. Well, sorry, the area in Turkey was known for its wool, gold, and beautiful, plentiful fruit. But the church of Sardis was not known for those things. The church in Sardis was struggling. So let's read from Revelation 3, 1 to 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. But you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Would you call yourself, church, among those few that is spoken about here, whose garments are still white and who are not found wanting, who are still awake? Who's heard of those near-death stories? I heard of, um, of one recently. But, you know, when someone's close to death, what are they often told? Don't go to sleep. Don't fall asleep because if you do, you'll die. Have you heard of those stories where sometimes someone's had an accident and they're out in the middle of nowhere and somewhere from within this inner voice says to them, they, they start to get sleepy and this inner voice says to them, don't close your eyes. And they somehow have this innate knowing that if they do, they will actually die. It's pretty amazing. I believe that that is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm feeling like the Holy Spirit is present and ready here today, church, to give us some spiritual CPR. Let's get the defib, the defibrillator out off the wall. Let's put the pads on. We need a bit of a shock. So we don't fall asleep in the light. Who remembers Keith Green? Keith Green wrote a powerful song about falling asleep in the light. I heard on the radio this week, it's been 40 years since he had that accident. And I thought, wow, I was like only just 11 years old. What do they say in first aid? I just did my first aid. I have to do it every year to work in the gyms. I always complain about it. But then when I go, I quite enjoy it. But they say in first aid... When, you, when they put the defibrillator on the person that's dead or their heart has stopped, they say, step back, 
don't touch the body because otherwise if you do, you'll get a shock yourself. You know, some of us need to tell some negative friends, negative influences. Some of us need to say to anxiety, to bad habits, to wrong mindsets, step back from me, get away. Let the Holy Spirit put his defib on me. Let him do the work in me. Let the Holy Spirit revive me. And FYI, just getting back to the uh, first aid, if you need a bandage or a splint or you've had a snake bite, I'm not your girl. Okay, I'm not your girl. I never get it right every time. Last time she just looked at me, because now, because of COVID, you've got to put the bandage on yourself. And I'm like, I just had it all around the wrong way. And they just like, they signed me off, but I'm not your girl, okay? I think I've got the 30 compressions, two breaths down, okay? But not for anything else. Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This is talking about the need for a spiritual awakening, church. And you know what? I refuse to be one of those who fall asleep. I'm telling you now, I've made a decision. I will not fall away. I will not go to sleep and I will not spiritually die. You know what? You and I, we, we've come too far. We have come too far. We have overcome too much to give up now. To fall asleep, to fall out the window. We are contending, church, for our faith, for our purpose, for our destiny. We are contending for our marriages, our mental health, our salvation. Can I encourage you, church, that the the scriptures actually tell us we will sow in tears. It's not if you sow in tears. It says... We will sow in tears, but it promises us that we will reap with joy. We will reap with joy. We must continue, church, to do the right things when it can feel like it's the wrong season. We sow regardless, the Bible says, to sow in season, sow out of season, sow every season. In verse 3 of Revelation, it says to remember, remember. Remember what you have received. Remember what you have heard. Hold it fast. Whenever the Bible talks about remembering, it means to continually call to mind, to mull over, to meditate, to speak about. This is a key to strengthening what remains. It tells us in that passage, John is writing through the revelation of the Holy Spirit to the church to strengthen what remains. The key to strengthening what remains is to remember. Remember what you have learned. Remember what you have overcome. Remember what God has done. I remember when I was about, I think I was in third grade. I don't know. It's all very sketchy back then. But I remember I went to amazing church and it had an amazing kids ministry. So I got this idea that I was going to do it. I was going to have a Jesus club in my cubby. And so I sent the word out 
And there was too many girls that came, so we moved it from the cubby because we couldn't fit into the backyard. And I asked my mum, because I saw them at kids' church, they used to give out packets of lifesavers if, if people remembered the memory verse. So I asked mum, mum, I need you to buy a six-pack of lifesavers because I'm going to give them out as prizes. And I, I made these little badges myself out of paper and I cut them out and I put a bobby pin in them and everyone had to stick a badge on and I was running Jesus Club in my backyard. I had three girls from Union Road that would ride their bikes down the street. I remember that from my youth. I remember back then the voice of God in my heart, that stirring of the Holy Spirit. What can you remember? Think back. I heard a statistic about marriage recently. It's called, it's so good, I wish I'd thought of it. It's called the 80-20 principle. According to this principle, the person you marry can give you about 80% of what you want. So that means there's 20% that's missing. There's 20% they can't give you. But 20% can seem like a lot when you're not getting it. When you're used to the 80, but you're not, there's that 20, you're just not getting it. It can seem like a big deal. So, why are you laughing? So when you might, listen, 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 don't want to lose you, you don't want to miss the point. When you might see that 20% in somebody else, it might look attractive. Mm, Oh, they got that 20% over there. Someone else can look better and more attractive because they got that 20%. You're getting 80, but they've got that other 20. The problem is you can leave the 80 and you can go shack up with the 20, but now you haven't got the 80. You've lost the 80. You know, listen, church, no partner, no best friend, no job, no spouse can give you 100%. No one can give you that all of the time. They would need to be omniscient, all-knowing, reading your mind. They would need to be omnipresent, both with you when you need them and also at work trying to live their life. That's impossible. Only God can do that. Only God can be your 100%. He can only be your 100% source. Now, it's up to you, single people, You can choose to waste your time dating the 20% if you want to and have a bit of fun, but be wise in choosing who you marry. Make sure that who you marry is the 80%er, not the 20%er. Because the wedding day, that's fun. The wedding day is just the event, but marriage, on the other hand, is the daily living. The daily living together. Hear me now. Weekend. Week out, year after year after year after year. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's, really, it's really okay. Christ compares our relationship with him to a spiritual marriage. He is the bridegroom. How is your commitment going to that spiritual relationship? How is your commitment going to his church. Do you know Christ calls his church the bride? Oh, how's it been? How's it really going like for reals in that relationship? Has it been like a one night stand? 
Or are you still walking with him? Day by day, week by week, year by years. Taking every opportunity to be in his house. Every Sunday we can. Not every opportunity you can not to be there, not to be in church. Some people take every opportunity. Oh, I can't. I've got this. Take every opportunity you can to be in the house of God. It is wise for us to get our butts, to get our family's butts into the house of God. Parents, don't let your kids fall out the window. What do you think one day... If you don't come regularly to church, they're just going to magically become a powerhouse, passionate young woman or man of God. We've got to model it. We, the, we have to bring our kids to church. They can't drive themselves. Don't let your kids fall out the window. But we have two buts. The but of. But this is on. But that is on. I've got this relative visiting. I lost my cat. I can't come to church. I lost my cat. And this is happening and that is happening. In other words, what we're really saying is I don't have time or room for God or all my brothers and sisters or his church, his bride or church stuff because life is happening. I'm living my best life here. I've got people to see, places to go. Life is happening. And guess what? Life, yes, life is happening. I understand that. Of course it is. It's always going to be happening while ever we have breath in our lungs. There's going to be something that we need to do. All of that stuff that I was talking about, losing the cat and this and that, that's the blah, 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 blah of life. It's always going to be happening. But let's be of those who say, but God, he comes first. He has always been there for me bringing me through, providing for me. He has helped me. He has saved me. Make sure, church, you are sitting, Trina, make sure, Trina, you are sitting on the right butt, the butt of faith, the butt of strong convictions, not the butt of excuses. Because let me tell you, church, one of the enemy's main goals is to distract you so that you become a victim of social culture, focusing on what everyone else is doing or not doing. Does anyone even go to church anymore? Is it really that important? You know, come on. It's 2022 and we've been through COVID. We coped all right then. We didn't have to go to church. Oh, but all my friends have left and I don't have any friends in church anymore. They've all gone somewhere else or they're not going. Hey, I get all that. Yes, you and I have suffered some losses, but we're still here, still standing in the integrity of who God has called you to be, not who he's called those people to be, those people that have left or whatever. That's their decision. Who has God called you to be? Remember that um, story in the, in the New Testament where Peter says to Jesus, oh, what about John? Because John was leaning on Jesus' chest and Peter's going, oh, how come he's allowed to do that? And Jesus said, don't you worry about him. You follow me. Church, don't worry about what anyone else is doing or not doing. You follow him. Others may go in a different direction. That is called life, the cycle of life. That's their decision. But God doesn't want you or I to focus on what we've lost 
But the truth is, even what, we, what happened yesterday is behind us. God is calling us in Revelation. Strengthen what remains. God will always use and bless what you have left. doesn't matter how insignificant it looks to you. Our call is to strengthen it, to keep it alive, to not fall out the window, to not let it die, to fan it back into flame. You know, we sing that, we hear that worship song, you know, about the crushing, it's making me into new wine. And then when we actually experience it in real time, what is our response going to be? Do we panic? Do we give up? Do we come, become complacent? You know, I believe this is one of the reasons we can get so tired and worn out. I've been thinking about this a lot. Because we're double-minded, trying to keep up with societal culture, keep up with the Joneses, and be committed to God simultaneously. We need to get laser-focused, church. Laser-focused on living God-led, God-inspired lives. Can I encourage you to move from living from the external influences to living from the internal because it's the internal still small voice that leads to the eternal. It leads to the eternal direction. You know, without mud, there is no lotus flower. Sometimes we feel like we're in the mud, we're stuck in the mud. But this most beautiful flower, pretty amazing, isn't it? comes out of the mud. And when presented with a Goliath, God is looking for us to find the David within. Come on, church, there's a David within you. See, the secret is Christ in you, not a different set of circumstances. Christ in you, the Bible says, is the hope of glory. And there may be times you have questions. I've had them. I've had a lot. And that's okay. Seek clarity then. Seek clarity. God does have every answer. But remember this. Sometimes God will give you an answer or a sign. Sometimes he won't. Sometimes we just got to keep fanning into flame what we've got left because that's what he's told us to do. I love this quote by T.D. Jakes. He says, I seek him that I, that I might know me. <laughs> Why? Because I don't even know me at times. I don't understand me. God knows where all the bolts and the screws are supposed to go and where they fit because I know for sure I have a few screws loose. He knows. He knows what we can do. He knows what you can do. He knows what you can handle. He knows what your gifts are. He knows what situations, what mud you actually need to be in to develop you. He knows what mud you need to be exposed to 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 develop the gifts that are in you. He knows where you are supposed to be connected. Those alignments that you think just happen. They never just happen when your hand is in the hand of God. But if we don't go back to him and ask him and be willing to accept the answer that he gives, we're going to fumble around. We could fall out the window. We might make unwise decisions. Who's ever been there? I want to ask you, church, are you a fan? Are you a follower? And now have you become a disciple? Because there's a big difference. Big difference. Are you a fan? Oh, yeah, I love to come to church like a one-night stander. Are you a follower? 
If you are a follower, you now need to become a disciple. These are the days, the last days, we need to be a disciple. Make a decision. Make a decision. Be quick to submit and trust that his way is always immeasurably, infinitely, way better than our way. Even though it mightn't look like it at the time, we just got to start. We just got to keep fanning into flame. Can I ask you this? Have you already pre-decided what God's plan is for you though? You know, I talk to some friends and they say, oh, I, you know, just talking about life in general and I think, oh, maybe God's directing you. Oh, no, 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 that, that's, no, God wouldn't put me there. Oh, that's not for me. That's not for me. Sometimes we can presume or sometimes the opposite. We can presume God wants to put us in a place because I'm going to go in there and I'm going to change the culture and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And we look for all the faults in that place. But maybe God is putting you in that place not for you to change the culture. But sometimes he is. Sometimes it's both actually. But maybe he's putting you there to change some of your limiting beliefs. Sometimes he's putting us there for us to grow. So many times we can have preconditioned ideas about where God would put us and where he wouldn't and what's suited to us. I can tell you, I work for Advanced Hair Studio now. Oh my gosh. I worked previous to there in a day spa. Go from a day spa to wigs and glue and sweaty scalps and it's not nice. And I, when I started there, I thought, what have I done? What have I done? What am I doing here? And that job has turned out to be one of the greatest blessings for me. God knew where I needed to be. Church, whatever it is that's wearing you out right now, whatever challenge, this too shall pass. We only ever live in any state for a little while, both the good and the bad. It's the cycle of life on the planet. Nothing lasts forever. You will come through again. Christ in you, church, will come through again. Spring is coming, and I'm not just talking about the weather. This won't hurt forever. So don't own. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do not own that depression. Do not own that loneliness. Do not own that suffering. Do not own that weariness. Do not allow it to become your identity. Do not. You know, the, the new buzzword at the moment is anxiety. I must admit, I'm guilty of it. I've heard myself saying it and I thought, what, Trina, what are you doing? It's all over social media, if you haven't noticed. It used to be, the buzzword used to be stress. Now it's anxiety. You go to, um, go to Instagram and you'll see it. I saw a graph. I'm going to tell you a confession. I saw a graph on Instagram. Had two big circles, ADHD. OCD and then they overlapped in the middle you know that little bit where the two circles overlap and I had all the symptoms these are the signs that you have if you have ADHD these are the signs if you have OCD I've, I had all of them <laughs> I'm reading down the circles and I'm thinking man this doesn't look good I think there's something seriously wrong with me I had most of the signs according to the graph Oh my gosh, see how the enemy gets in? I began to think, geez, you know, society loves to label. They say they don't. Oh, don't label me. But they so do. They so want to put their labels on you, church. Don't make any labels your own. Don't own those labels. Remember the defib? Step back. Take a step back from those labels. Oh, 
Let's put the picture up, please. Okay, that's a picture. You choose. You can choose to be the Hulk or you can choose to be Wonder Woman. Say to yourself, church, this is what I really look like on the inside in my spiritual body because I have learned and developed perseverance in the secret places of disappointment and loss, in loneliness and trials. Church, how else would we know the power of a resurrection except through getting knocked down and having to get back up? That is how you and I can identify with Christ. That is how you and I know the power of the resurrection. The resurrection power of Christ in you, that is how you know it. When you get knocked down and you get back up. You get knocked down and you get back up. That is what you really look like spiritually on the inside when you develop that kind of godly character. Just like Eutychus who fell out the window but was raised back to life again. You know, the way we meet our pain defines who we become. We can become like that spiritually. On the other side of it can be a new version of you, stronger, faith-filled, like that picture. Church, today God wants to give you fresh hope, fresh joy, deep joy that comes from within. So wake up, strengthen what remains. Remember what God has done. Say with me today, I'm getting out of the window. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.